With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to IAQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. Good day wherever you're listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio for Friday, December 21st, heading into the last stretch of the year, 2012. This week, episode 268 comes to you from Studio D in Central City, Pennsylvania. My name is Radio Joe Hughes and with me in the studio is Roxy V, Val Bender. Hello, everyone. Joining us from... Studio C will be the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Hello, Cliff. Hey, Joe. Hi, Val. Hi, Dan. Hi, everybody. Good day. At the controls, of course, will be Roxy V. Our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow, will be joining us for the roundup. Today's segments, segments include an interview with Dan Draws of Draws & Associates Marketing. We're going to talk a little marketing, branding, website development, finish up the year, with some good business sense and uh, good business uh, advice. We'll do our halftime as usual, go back to our interview and finish with the roundup. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. Okay, most people know to listen live, you go to the iaqradio.com website. There's a button that says go to the show, go there, and then join us through TalkShoe. You can also download the shows afterwards from that same spot and, of course, from iTunes. We also have certification maintenance points and continuing education credits from the ABIH, the IICRC, and the ACAC. Just send me an email at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com 
We'll get you out of quiz. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. Email it to cswatnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, you can text in your answer. Congratulations. To John Lapotere, MicroShield Environmental Services, Winter Springs, Florida, for being the first listener to answer the trivia question. Each NASA Mercury astronaut did name his own space capsule and then added the number seven to denote the teamwork of the original astronauts. The IEQ Radio Trivia question for Friday, December 21st, 2012, has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restores and Specialty Cleaners Association who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Check out their new electronic membership category at their website, www.trsca.org. Now for today's trivia question. Name the Turkish-American heart surgeon, author, and TV personality, whose title and surname coincidentally matches the surname of today's guest on IAQ Radio. Back to you, Joe. <laughs> All right, Cliff. Dan Draws is the president of Draws & Associates, a strategic marketing firm with extensive experience in the cleaning, chemical, and restoration maintenance service market. For 17 years, he served as an adjunct professor of design management at Carnegie Mellon University, where he founded the nation's first interdisciplinary product development program, directed the design for business program, and taught innovation strategy, business practice, and marketing accountability. Dan is the recipient of numerous regional and national awards for marketing, design, and product development, including recognition by the American Marketing Association last year as the Marketer of the Year in seven out of ten industry categories, as well as the Grand Marketer of the Year. His innovative designs on branding, marketing, and design have been featured in over 100 articles and books, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Tom Peters' books and tapes. In 1996, he was recognized as one of the seven outstanding alumni of Harvard University at the 25th anniversary anniversary of the Carpenter Center for the Visual Arts, and that was for his contribution to design, education, and leadership. We've got some intro music for Dan. Every business has to decide how to mix place promotion and product and price. They have got to get it right. Of course it depends on the segment they're trying to reach. It's the customer's needs they must focus on. 
Dan, do we have you on the line? There we go. Hello, Dan. Excellent. Hi. Hi, Cliff. How are you? Good. Welcome to IAQ Radio. Cliff, you uh, know Dan, and I I know you helped us get him on the show. Why don't you start with the questions? Okay, Dan. I think our listeners would uh, like to know some definitions, because I think oftentimes terminology gets confused. If you could uh, define what advertising is. Good. Um, in fact, that's absolutely true, Cliff. Um, I was just in a meeting yesterday, and someone uh, was talking about what he thought was advertising, and what he was really talking about is sales uh, and and marketing. So a lot of people get confused about terms like marketing or advertising or positioning or branding or sales, and they kind of lump them all into one group. So I can differentiate um, among those. Marketing is all the things that you do to kind of create a predisposition to buy, Um, and that could be by creating something called Mindshare, which is a kind of recognition that one of the uh, primary players in a market or somebody that you would think of if you were going to buy a product or service comes to mind. That's called Mindshare. Um, Or it could be some kind of um, call to action to um, get more information. It is not a purchase. It is creating a predisposition to buy a product because of the reputation uh, or your awareness of it. Advertising is where you actually pay a medium to get your message out you know, so that you have um, uh, a particular uh, message or a product that you want to promote uh, and you want to get that uh, into people's minds. Advertising is where you pay some medium, TV or newspapers or sponsored links to actually get that message delivered to certain consumers. And there you have issues like frequency and reach and impact. Frequency is how many times you get that message out, so you pay for every time it does uh, its job. Um, And reach is how many people you're reaching, and impact is like the size of the ad or the length of the commercial. Can you give us an example? You say predisposition to buy. What what companies in your mind do a great job of, of putting that mind share you know concept into our into our brains out there on the uh, I don't know if it would be on the internet or on TV or well all the great uh, all the great brands do good marketing. That's why they are great brands. Uh, so you know you can think of. Um, you know, really big brands like uh, Apple or Nike um, or Coke, um, where apart from just having awareness, you know, you are uh, inclined to inclined to buy. Um, uh, you have enough information based upon their advertising or based upon their product use that gives you um, at least the sense that they're there. That's mind share. Um, a reason to buy, that's the propensity or the predisposition to buy. Um, And you might even uh, have a preference as a result of um, uh, of that mind share and uh, predisposition to buy. Cliff? Dan, you use two terms, positioning and and branding. Can you uh, define those for us? Yeah. 
Um, and in fact, uh, I should differentiate uh, because a lot of people confuse marketing and sales. Of course, if marketing is creating the predisposition to buy, selling is where you actually get a commitment to buy. Um, and they're um, uh, often, often confused. Now, positioning and branding um, are uh, bandied about a lot. Positioning, as you might imagine, involves some comparison, you know, positioning against something or someone. Um, so positioning is ordinarily meant to describe how you are differentiating your message or your product or service from your competitors uh, so that if you look at any market, like the beer market, for example, um, you have some beers that are light beers and some beers that are um, really uh, very flavorful. Um, and so if you were to draw a diagram of that market, uh, there are some beers that would be, uh, let's say, in the upper right-hand quadrant or the lower right-hand quadrant if the dimensions were like light and heavy or uh, whatever the dimensions are. Um, and so you can actually plot on a graph um, based upon certain characteristics of a product where your product is relative to someone else's. So those dimensions might be price and variety. And so depending upon how your product is priced relative to the other products in the market or services in the market or how um, many uh, varieties of product you have, you can plot those and where you sit relative to the other players in the market is called your position. Uh, branding. Uh, is that... It, it, yeah, that's it, great. Yeah. Um, branding, on the other hand, um, is a more um, uh, elusive uh, 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 a concept uh, that has evolved over the uh, probably the last 20 years. Um, it used to be thought of as a logo or uh, a brand name, a, a name for a company. The way we think of it now is um, the personality of a company. Um, and the reason I say that is um, companies or products, because they're inanimate, they don't have... Uh, attributes that are naturally, um, uh, they don't naturally connect to people. Um, people connect to other people. Um, and so to give a product a personality is to make it a little bit more um, uh, easy to engage with. Um, so is it fun? Is it, um, is it an intelligent or smart product? Or uh, is a company smart or humorous? Um, and we all actually have a personality. I mean, you know, it's like uh, um, if someone said, what's a, what's a personality? Can I get a personality? Well, everybody has one. Everyone has a brand. The question is whether it's consistent and whether it helps you connect better with customers. And that is the, um, that's the bigger issue of how do you think about a good brand uh, and how does it represent uh, authenticity 
and a promise to deliver uh, a solution to a problem or some additional benefit. But essentially, you can think of it as a personality of a company um, that uh, uh, projects goodwill and a promise uh, to solve a problem. You know, Dan, when when you talk about branding, and I, you know, you went through, it's the personality of the company. Is it fun? Is it intelligent? And I think we have a lot of listeners that are disaster restoration professionals, right. both on the consulting and contracting side. And right. I look at a couple of words, and I think, okay, one you mentioned, intelligent, um, or maybe we could use competent, and then honesty is another word that comes to mind. You know, I think a lot of companies out there in this business would like to brand those two particular uh, descriptions, I guess, to their company. Can you give yes. them some some suggestions on, on how they go about doing that so that we can get a little kind of a concrete feel for what you're talking about on the branding? Sure. Um, one of the things that um, you imagine you could do is just by having a really great logo or tagline, uh, communicate authenticity. Um, Consumers now are pretty savvy. So um, in order to really create this personality or this brand that conveys those things that you've mentioned, uh, competence and honesty, um, and, um, and sometimes it's value, there's, there's many things that people want to be conveying, those might be characteristics of a message. It's actually through your reputation, that is, um, how people feel how authentic people feel you are um, when they've actually used your services. Uh, do they um, do they feel like you actually are competent <laughs> mm-hmm. and actually and actually are honest? Um, so it takes some time to actually build credibility for that position. Um, I think that if in the naming of the company or in the images that the company uses. They're very clear that they correspond to those values that they want to project. Sometimes you have this desire to project yourself as competent or this you project yourself as a value-oriented company or an honest company, and you're using photography or you're using um, slogans that actually convey just the opposite. Um, you're, you're, you're using offers that make people feel like oh, that's too good to be true, so that in the messaging, you are actually not representing that sense of honesty or competence or, um, or other values, so that you have to be very careful to make sure that the words you use and the images you use actually are thoughtfully conveying the attributes that you want to be projecting. That's great. I really appreciate that illustration of the uh, of the issue there that's interesting because i do see that a lot you know people are doing a short-term marketing campaign or sales campaign and they offer certain discounts etc let me ask another quick one well i mean to, to build on that for example if i put an ad and i say i'm honest well that's exactly opposite what you want to be saying because as soon as you say that a savvy consumer will kind of wonder, why are they telling me they're honest? <laughs> um, when I say that consumers are savvy, they uh, can actually sort through the 
um, the authenticity issues on their own. And it's not what you say, it's what they hear. <laughs> yeah, I remember a long time ago I said to someone, you know, I've got to be perfectly honest with you. And then they came back with, well, are you not always perfectly honest? You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Cliff, it's over to you, buddy. Yeah. Um, Dan, I, I think in, in, in all businesses, it's competitive and you know it's difficult for what you know whether it's a restoration company or let's talk about consultants we have a lot of indoor environmental consultants you know these are people that go in and diagnose problems uh within you know within buildings or uh sometimes determine that there really aren't problems uh you know inside of a building and they generally provide a similar service i mean how does one separate oneself from the pack. Right. Um, well, we can build on some of the things that we've just been talking about. Um, you know, if you have a very uh, authentic and compelling brand, and that is to say uh, you are projecting attributes that are uh, relevant to what people need and clear and they perceive you to be authentic, that is a really good start. (laughs) So uh, if you're trying to uh, differentiate yourself, um, simply uh, standing out from a standpoint of authenticity or, uh, and that's kind of basic building block, is that um, you can set set yourself apart from probably 80% simply by thoughtfully thinking about your brand, and that's uh, your message and the words you use and the images and also uh, how you uh, uh, represent your authenticity. Uh, But I think that um, to augment that, it's really important to focus on some specific value proposition. There's some uh, companies that are saying, we do so many things that anything you need, we can do well. So right off the bat, people say, that can't be true. That's what they, either their subconscious or their conscious uh, minds, uh, immediately, um, they, they will immediately question anyone who is a, uh, who's making the claim that they can do a lot of things well. Um, and interestingly, if you say, I'm the world's the world's best, I mean, nobody gets spots out of carpeting better than we do, because we've got a process that nobody else has. People actually believe that, but they also believe if you're the world's best at something, you are probably pretty good in a lot of other things, too. So apart from the lack of credibility of saying you can do lots of things, focus gives you an added benefit of giving you Um, credibility in one and added credibility in many. It's a little bit counterintuitive, but um, I would say the second thing is um, focus. I would say um, a third thing that helps in both of those is if you can actually solve a problem. Um, The reason why negative advertising in politics and in many other things works so well is because um, when you have an enemy, whether it's a spot, you know, you take Mr. Clean for an example, um, 
um, a uh, the enemy is dirt that makes the homemaker kind of feel out of control. And so by setting up an enemy, you establish a problem. Uh, so that to the extent that you can really think about the problem you can solve and to talk about that problem and how you solve it can really help to differentiate you, uh, particularly from those guys who are saying we do lots of things or are very general in uh, the way that they talk about themselves or are describing what they do from a functional standpoint as compared to what problem they solve from the user standpoint or from the customer standpoint. Hmm. I like that. Cliff, did you want to keep rolling down? I don't want to run out of uh, time on the questions you developed here. No, go ahead. All right. Go well, let's, let's move to um, strategies for selling you know, intangibles. Do you have any strategies for that? Well, you know, so many businesses are selling services. You know, in the cleaning and restoration business um, and in consulting, uh, the, the, the deliverable or the uh, offering isn't really a product per se. It's not something you can hold in your hand. And what that means is that um, people can't actually see it before they buy it. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, it's, you know, so I say I'm really good. Okay, you know, so why do I um uh why do I believe that? So you can show them, oh, we've you can show them uh say, oh, you can call my previous customers or you know, we uh 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 have really good recommendations. Um and that helps a lot. I would say that um though the real goal is to try as much as possible to make your intangible service uh, more tangible. And the way you do that is through a variety of methods to the extent that you can do these things. Um, one goes back to what I was just discussing, which is um, the problem. Uh, so let's take what I was just saying before, um, like... Um, um, uh, spot removal. Okay, so spot removal is a specific problem that people can picture in their mind. They can picture that spot. They can picture exactly what it looks like to get that spot out so that they have a sort of tangible picture in their mind when you can define what you do as a solution to a specific problem. Um, uh, second is to name your service or the, the name of your process um, something related to solution, a solution to that problem. So let's say in the case of um, spot removal, that your process is called SpotGo. So it's an actual thing. It's not just oh, we come in, we look at it, and then we figure out what the chemicals are that need to remove it, and then we, you know, have some people in there with, uh, you know, brushes, hoses, and uh, and, and uh, heating, uh, heaters to uh, and, and, and other chemicals. You say, we have a process. It's called the SpotGo process. So it's very tangible, and that process 
has certain steps or certain um, elements so that you can actually hand them a sheet of paper, put it on your website, and you say, here's what the spot go process is all about. So it's very tangible. And then to the extent that you can have um, confirmation of that, um, uh, uh, the results of that, of that process. So that might be before and after photos. This is before, this is after. Or a certificate of completion <laughs> or a certificate of uh, a guarantee. So that it says, here is something physical that now represents the conclusion of that process or the uh, that you are now spot go enabled <laughs> you're, you're a spot go business <laughs> um, a sticker on the window or something that makes what you just did a tangible uh, brand rather than just anything that you think is a good idea when you get there you know, I, I think that you know I, I think it's pretty interesting and I think you know, within, you know, a lot of our people are concerned about, you know, consulting on, on the environmental hazards that may or may not be within a building. And in you know, certain situations, I mean, they actually have dogs that go in and sniff the building and right. you know, they'll determine, you know, is there mold in there? And, you know, I mean, I, I can see it, you know, I can see in Technicolor exactly what you're trying to do. You know, you, you take something that, um, you know, it's difficult to describe, and you set up your own criteria, and you control right. that. So that's, that's smart. Yeah, I, I was thinking similar, Cliff, in that, you know, a lot of our people deal with mold issues, and really you don't have a mold issue. You have a moisture problem. So, you know, you, you've got to promote that you are the moisture solver. Uh, you have the moisture solver process. You you And then it's it's pretty easy to show tangibly that before you had a moisture problem and now you don't. You can actually measure that in ways. So, uh, great, great uh, discussion, great information. We've got to take a, a short break, Dan. We want to thank our sponsors again, especially here at the end of the year. Um, all of our sponsors that have hung in there with us all year, we really appreciate them and hope our listeners support them. We'll be right back with the second half of our interview with Dan Draws. We're talking a little bit of uh, a little bit of marketing, branding, website development after the break. Uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Thanks to our association sponsors, the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, NADCA, is the leading authority for information on HVAC inspection, cleaning, and restoration. Visit NADCA at www.nadca.com. The Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers 
to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleancleanfax.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, we're back for the second half of our interview with Dan Draws, a little marketing, branding, and website development. Uh, let's turn it back to the Z-Man for the next question. Okay, uh, Dan, what sort of strategies can our listeners use to close the deal or get the customer to, to buy, you know, without yeah. using high pressure. Right. Um, well, um, uh, let me tell you a story. Okay. So, um, you walk into a bar and you see, um, let's say if you're a guy and you see this really, uh, cute girl at the bar and, uh, you watch her for a couple of minutes and you think, man, this is, this is just the kind of person I want to spend the rest of my life with. So you walk up to her and you say, you know, I've been watching you for a few minutes and um, you are just the kind of person that I'd like to spend the rest of my life with. Why don't we get out of here, have uh, like three kids and live in Mount Washington, okay? <laughs> so that is too much too fast, so to speak. Um, the proper way to handle that um, for those single guys out there is you walk up to the bar and you say, is this seat taken? Now, if you cannot close that deal, you are not going anywhere with that, with that transaction. Okay. If you cannot get a seat at the bar. Um, the next thing is, could you pass the nuts, please? And then, is that a cosmopolitan you're drinking? I think I'll have one. Would you like one, too? And then you can say, why don't we get out of here, have three kids, and move to Mount Washington. Okay. But at a certain point, you have to go in stages in order to develop a relationship. Um, and the first hoop, getting a seat at that bar, is uh, really important. And you have to kind of look like a decent guy. You have to look like you're trustworthy. You have to have a lot of the attributes that it takes for people to trust you. At that point, you are as, if you can't close that, you are not going to move forward in that transaction. So selling is, as well as marketing, a series of progressive steps. We call them plateaus, um, or you could think of them as hoops. And little by little, you move a customer or a prospect through those steps. And that applies to face-to-face -face selling. It applies to marketing. It applies to uh, website, um, website or online marketing. 
if you can't get someone to your site, then you can't sell them anything. But even if you get them to the site, then you have to convert them to an action. Now, there are a few things that I would just say help you get through those hoops. Um, the first, and some people would uh, sort of, um, this is uh, somewhat of a, a, a value uh, uh, issue, but um, the first of those is the design of everything that you do. Uh, because people, the first impression is really important. So when you walk up to the bar, you or someone sees your ad, or someone you know in, uh, um, engages your company or any of your communications for the first time, they're going to have an impression, and that impression is driven by the design. That's the look of your trucks, of your uniforms, of your uh, you know, your graphics, your materials, your website. If it's not designed well, people already feel, well, maybe this is, um, that doesn't have to be, you know, like award winning, but it just has to be very thoughtful. Um, and, uh, I think that you can also, um, really think about the, um, we'll call it the threshold. What is it that's going to make it very easy for somebody to make a commitment? In that bar story, you, is this seat taken is not a big commitment, but it is a fundamental commitment on the part of your prospect. So to really be thinking about making the threshold very manageable. If somebody comes to your website and the first thing you ask them is give me your email address in order to get information, too much too soon, too much of a commitment for not enough payback or um, uh, so that they have to have some reason for taking an action that is not threatening or that, you know, is not going to create a lot of resistance. So those are two things. Uh, design is the thing that increases the value uh, and the first impression and the um, um, threshold issue is uh, lowering the risk. So those are the two things you have to do in order to get business. Increase the perceived value and lower the risk, and then you win big. Anything that does those two things helps uh, you um, uh, move through that, that series of steps. Thanks. Dan, what, what is what we call, what you call marketing fitness? Right. That's a, <laughs> right. I, uh, I often use the analogy uh, of fitness uh, to describe what we are trying to do in marketing, good marketing, um, which is a balance between fat and muscle. <laughs> now, you know, if you're if you're trying to if you're if you're trying to get fit, physically fit, what do you do? There's two ways. Two, there's two basic strategies. You got to reduce your fat and you got to increase your muscle. I mean, there's some other things that you might need to do too. And so whether you do that with exercise or diet or whatever, but those are the two issues, reducing fat, increased muscle. So what are the equivalents in marketing? So fat is the cost of getting a customer. We call that CPC, cost per customer or cost per contact. So that's the fat is if you're spending a lot of money, 
to get a lead, that's fat. Um, and I like to say it's easy to get business. It is the easiest thing that you can possibly do. The hard part is paying for it. It's how much does it cost you to get that business? How much does it cost you to get that lead? How much does it cost you to close that deal? What's the cost of creating awareness and credibility? And that's the fat, is how to get the cost out. And I'll talk about that maybe a little later. The, 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 um, the muscle in marketing is uh, perceived value. So that is how you increase the value of what you're doing. So when you can lower the cost and you, the cost of getting a customer, um, and you can increase the perceived value, what's in between is profit. And that is what we call a fit marketing organization, where you have a low cost of acquisition and a high perceived value, which allows you to charge more, um, you end up with a very fit marketing program. Cliff, I don't know if you... Yeah, you do exercises, people. and the push-ups are making your calls every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the push-up part. If you're not on the phone, you know, kind of building your reputation, or you can figure, you know, that there's, there's, there's different diets and different exercises that we all need to do in order to, um, you know, keep the fat off and keep the muscle up. You know, what we all get into this quagmire, uh, it, especially in a competitive marketplace where, um, you know, we're asked to lower the price or we're told that right. the price is, is too high. What alternatives are there, or are there any alternatives to not lowering the price? Yeah, you know, and you're building on this marketing fitness uh, m metaphor. Um, Basically, price is the estimate of value. Um, and when you set a price, that is presumably what you think the product is worth. So when you lower the price, you are saying, well, it's not really worth that. It's worth that. Now, the reason you're doing it is because there's a gap between what you think the price is worth, what you think the product is worth, or you think the service is worth, and what your prospect or your customer thinks it's worth. So you have to adjust your value to correspond with what people believe your value is. And that is either by comparison with a competitor or by comparison to what you're offering, you know, what, what you offer. Um, if you lower your price without lowering your cost, then you go out of business <laughs> or, or you don't have any money left over for marketing. Um, and a lot of people use price reduction as their principal marketing strategy. Um, that is to say they can't afford advertising or they can't afford, you know, uh, some other methods. Uh, and so they say the way that I'm going to increase value is by lowering the price. But if you do that, not only are you eroding your margin, but you know if you can do the math, let's say you take 25% off of $100, you end up with $75. You've just spent $25 to get a $75 sale. That is a one-third, a 33% marketing budget, 
run. That is a big number hmm. to spend $25 to get $75 worth of business. Simply by reducing the price 25%, you have increased your marketing budget to 33 and a third percent. So that's a ridiculous proposition. Now that, you know, hopefully, now that I've explained it, why you would not want to do that. So what's the alternative? Since price is the um, uh, representation of value, you want to increase the value of your product or service. So the basic strategy for um, not reducing your price is to increase the perceived value. Now, there's certain ways to do that. If that's, uh, that's the simple answer to the question, but let me give you some examples. Is that, would that be okay? Sure, please. Yeah, okay. So um, you, you think about the, the, most, the most interesting, a very interesting um, uh, strategy for people is um, they think that uh, when I say 50 off, that's the same as two for one because you're getting two for one, that's 50 off on each one. But they are very different propositions. I am not lowering my price. I am giving you something additional. So even if you feel like your product, in order to sell because of its competitive positioning, is too high, instead of lowering your price, you provide something in additional to your product or service. It costs the same or maybe less, but uh, it is perceived as higher value, not lower value. Um, you can also provide um, bundled services so that it, um, uh, it's called blind pricing. That if somebody is able to compare your price or features the, of your product or service to another apples to apples, and your price looks higher, then it's kind of like a tell. Oh, <laughs> I get this, this, and this from the other guy, and you're giving me this, this, and this for a higher price. Well, I don't see the difference. But if you are bundling your products or services with things that are a little bit less um, um, easy to compare um, and um, maybe... A uh, little um, very beneficial, let's say a warranty that your product comes with a three year warranty or something like that. It is an added benefit to reduce risk, and um, you know it is perceived as really valuable. Uh, I will say no one would buy a car unless you know you had fifty to a hundred miles warranty on it because that is the value added in addition to the price of the car it isn't uh, and then there are many other things there's volume plateaus that um, you know you can say to someone if you buy more then you pay less or um, you uh, have a value added promotion that if uh, you buy now then there's some benefit to it um, but uh, all those things are uh, in order to add value um, or to create something that they give to you and then you will give back to them. They give you more volume, you'll give them a lower price.
they make a commitment in some form or another, then you'll give them a warranty or a guarantee. So those are ways to add value. Um, and in the first instance, two for one versus half off, it is maintaining the price. But even if you have to do it 50 off, you at least are getting double the volume <laughs> for, for your trouble. Dan, I, I'd like to spend a little time on internet-based issues and, and websites yeah. and so on. And, and maybe we could start by asking, you know, how is the marketing uh, changing or evolving nowadays to keep up with the internet? Right. Well, I, I will say the reason why we're even talking about marketing changing is because the, of the effect that uh, online marketing, but more importantly, the internet has had on consumers. Basically, consumers have more choice. It used to be, um, you know, if you were uh, promoting your product regionally or, you know, even nationally, um, your message was um, among a few other messages that you were getting. Uh, now, people can go to Google and see hundreds of options even if they're not planning to choose any of them, they get a sense of what an industry or what a particular product or service is like as delivered by many others. So they have a lot more information and a lot more choice. Uh, they're also much more sensitive to the um, uh, inauthentic message, uh, whether it's in the form of a sponsored link or an ad or whatever. Um, so that's why marketing has got to change is because um, people don't trust marketing uh, or messaging as much as, as they did, and they have a little bit more control. So the question really is, what do you do about that? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> from, a, from a marketing standpoint, <laughs> so that's the problem. Um, so um, I think uh, you, you first have to um, really think honestly about um, is what you're saying actually true? Um, and you might think you're really great. You might think you're smarter than the next guy, but they're pretty smart out there. You know, your competitors are just as smart as you are. And you're, and if you know, you start to think, oh, we can do things that they can't do. From a, you know, you have to recognize that people are really sensitive to. Um, uh, to inauthentic messages, but in addition, they're going to go to that other person's website, and it looks like they do just what you do. So you have to really carefully think about um, what people are going to be seeing, um, rather than um, what uh, what 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 you're what you're saying, and they'll flame you. And that's one of the other things that makes this so important. If you are inauthentic. Um, you really will pay the price because now people on blogs and various portals uh, can really uh, provide recommendations that are unfiltered as far as you're concerned. And so you end up really having to, you, you've gone two steps backward by being on, uh, inauthentic. So the first thing is you've really got to be transparent, authentic, and uh, much realer. Um, I would say that all of the things that it takes to build credibility, build relationships with customers and prospects uh, toward that authenticity is the 
uh, is the basic strategy. And we think, you know, you, you hear about social networks and blogs and so forth, and people are using them um, in varying degrees. Um, but to the extent that you can really start participating in those forums and building the content on your site that gives you some credibility apart from your claims, um, that would be uh, 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 helping to build that, helping to build that trust uh, and, and credibility. And then there's the specific tactics and methods, which we might get into, you know, in a few minutes, uh, which is how you get people to your site. Well, yeah, let's how you convert it. Let's do that. Let's start with that. I mean, how do I get? You know, I've got a great site, and the information on there is honest, and you know, I'm right. providing right. a value. How do I get listed okay, higher, two, higher so rankings? There's, so there's there's two parts. One is getting them to the site, and then getting them to you know do something on the site. So getting to the getting people to the site, uh, there's two ways. There's uh, SEO, search engine optimization which is um, how you, through a search, get people to your site with, um, without paying. So that's inorganic. Uh, basically, you can pay Google or you can do something which uh, uh, motivates somebody to um, go to your site because you didn't pay them. In a sponsored link, which is where you pay Google, the most important thing, because you're paying for the uh, the exact search term, um, so you don't have to worry that you know you're not going to get found if someone types that in. You are paying for that search term. The most important thing is the exclusion, and that is the search terms that you are absolutely excluding because you're paying for every click by excluding certain ones then you'll reduce your cost and you'll only get the high quality leads to your site. And that's a really important aspect. The second is um, your headline. And that is, uh, you think of that link as just popping up and people are going to see it and, you know, that's great. Um, but how it's framed so that that headline is credible and that headline is compelling is another really critical part of people clicking on that and going to your site. Now, for the organic or the, the ones that you don't pay for, that's how you build your site in such a way that it attracts people to it. And there, the most important thing is your content. That's what's on your site. There needs to be a lot of content, even if it's not perfectly salient to you know, your sales message. Uh, that could be on blogs or that can be on content pages. And in that content, you have to embed all the search terms that you can, that you think are relevant to your business or your customers. And even if it means making the copy a little bit less readable to make sure that you're incorporating into that copy page after page what you want people to be searching or you're expecting people to be searching for. And there's several things on that content. One is the page titles. There's various tags and uh, keywords um, and placement. Um, that, and you can learn about that online. But the key is a lot of content with the keywords and in the headlines or your page titles uh, reflecting 
the search terms that you want. There are many other things that you can do, one of which is backlinks, which is how many times another site links back to your site. So that's why this networking is so important. If there's other blogs or other portals out there that are dealing with restoration or cleaning, uh, get them to have a link back to your site, and that will increase your uh, SEO. Dan, I have a question for you. Okay, let's say I was a photographer, okay? So my content is really the photographs That's right. You know, that, that I've taken. Um, how, I mean, how do you put words into, you know, I mean, right. So let's just, let's, let's take that. My, my son happens to be a photographer. So, um, that's something that I'm actually pretty familiar with. Um, so, um, what, what are people looking for when they're looking for a photographer? Of course, they're looking for nice pictures, but actually the problem underlying their search is they don't know how to choose the right photographer. And simply having um, three articles or four articles that relate to the choice process. One might, how to choose the right photographer. Two, what should I pay for a photographer? Three, something that uses the word inexpensive photographer a lot. And that could be in the blog or it could be in some of the body copy in the site itself. Those terms those search terms, inexpensive photographer, good photographer, wedding photographer, whatever it happens to be, event photographer, um, those need to be in the body of the, that need to be in the content of the site. So that when someone, they're not typing, in, they're not searching for nice pictures of sunsets. That's just not what they're searching. So you have to embed certain content uh, with what people are searching. And eventually, when they get to the site, they will see the photographs. But photographs aren't search terms, and that's really bad for getting your... Like, if you have a lot of pictures, that's not so good. <laughs> in place of content, if you're in a business that is relying on search terms to get people to find you. Let me get to a combined question here on website. Um, one is... Do you have a preference on website hosting services? And the second would be, uh, there are some free services for building your website. Um, are those right. adequate for any business? Well, there's a lot of variety out there. And, and I would say, just generally speaking, uh, you know, there's no such thing as free, although not paying might seem like it's free. Uh, but... Um, you know, there's some way that that host is making money, and whether it's through advertising or it's through doing something to help you that also helps them, uh, that's the thing you have to understand. So why are they giving you that service for free? <laughs> that's, a <qu> that's too good to be true, to host something for free. Uh, so yep. what is it that you have to give up in terms of flexibility or privacy or security or... Um, Whatever. Or uh, content on so, your site that you don't want on there. I mean, they throw Google at exactly, you or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but I would say Google, just to answer your question directly, uh, Google um, probably is um, a great example of uh, they're giving you, uh, you know, the tools to build things because they can advertise 
through AdWords, and also they they want more information about who's hitting your site. It doesn't really interfere with your security per se. Um, and they give you a lot of benefit to help you market your site as well as uh, you know the underlying infrastructure uh, of your site and a lot of um, uh, wikis and other things that can help you uh, market and uh, create a great experience on your site. Um, you know, GoDaddy is not bad either, but uh, I think Google's probably one of the stronger players, if not the strongest player in that field. What about that WordPress? Uh, I think it's WordPress where you can kind of build, yeah. build a site of your own. Any comments WordPress, on that? One? WordPress is also great. I like WordPress. Uh, WordPress is, um, we use that a lot for blogs. Um, uh, and they've got a lot of great tools um, and uh, also search engine. I mean, they're they're also very good, too. Okay. And I think, well, Cliff does a blog, and he'll do one after this show. We've got to get back. We've got to get that up after the new year here and get with the WordPress, I think. I, I would say one other thing just in terms of uh, lowering your cost and increasing your um, visibility. Um, there's a platform called Constant Contact, but basically it's an outbound email platform uh, and event planning uh, platform uh, that does transactions or you know online payment and so forth. But it allows you to send out... Um, um, notices or emails or uh, online newsletters, and it has lots of templates um, and tools. And sending out emails to a large group is a really good way to create, at low cost, um, uh, good exposure and credibility so long as it's not spam. And when you use one of those services as compared to using your own email, um, it's um, uh, they have tools to sort of um, uh, uh, help you get through a lot of the security issues uh, that are out there. That's a big issue with spam, and so you have to be aware that uh, some of your emails aren't going to get through. But that's another technique that you can use uh, to get your message out apart from your website, which is the uh, tools in a, an online newsletter. And then they can link back. You can link back to your site or other pages um, in your uh, in your site for uh, specific information. Dan, we're running a little over. Do you have to get out of here right away? I mean, we we can go as long as we want, but I'd like to go another five minutes if you have the time. Sure. Okay. Um, Let's go to our roundup then, and uh, we'll bring Dr. Wow on for a quick comment, and uh, we'll we'll ask a one final question from everybody here on the panel. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw hide. Cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw Let's go. Uh, let's go to Doctor Wow real quick here. All right. Hello, Dieter. Well, uh, good good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Great. Thanks. How about yourself? Hey, I tell you one thing. 
this this was really yeah i'm the technical director and uh, yeah there was quote nothing directly tech, uh, technical <clears throat> but the point uh, which uh, uh, dan made i think it's absolutely incredible now joe knows that i'm a little bit old fashioned and so on i was fighting the fax machine, I was fighting email. <laughs> and if we would have had this show 30 years ago, it would have been completely different because the things have so much changed. It is just unbelievable. Yeah. And needless to say, I have learned to love email and uh, using the Internet. And I do my shopping over there because it is so much more convenient uh, than me driving around having a chance of having an accident. I think the couple of these details, um, which Dan mentioned, mentioned uh, uh, it's it's incredible. And I know that everybody knows that there are some lousy sites where you go in and you don't know what the heck to do. And others, I, they are just perfect. They are beautiful. They give you exactly what you are looking for. And, uh, of course, some of them cost a ton of money to, A, put up, and B, to maintain. But, yeah, we, we talk... I mean, <laughs> Finally, I know what a position and branding is. <laughs> well, you, you, you bring up a good point, dude. If you if you go to a site you like, and Dan, let me run this to you. I mean, I, I you know, I go to competitors' sites. If I like their site, maybe I should, you know, adapt and uh, adopt some of the techniques they're using. Uh, you can always learn from others, um, but differentiation is a big part of uh, what you're trying to do and with websites you can do a lot of experimenting uh, you can try one thing and see what your um, uh, bounce rate is and uh, then try something else and see what your bounce rate is there it's not like a brochure where you print 2,000 or 5,000 and you can't change it to see what the response is you can move things around and actually um, think of your site as a dynamic place rather than a static uh, environment. Okay. Dieter, was there anything else? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, yeah, well, uh, as I said, this uh, advertising is, uh, is a very, very old profession. Uh, I saw on the History Channel or on one of those, Discovery, whatever, uh, they found advertisements in ancient Rome 2,000 years ago <laughs> where people were advertising, here, yeah, I'm a shoemaker, I make bread, I, you know, I'm a jeweler, or something like that. So it is. It has a law. It's. It wasn't invest, invented by Google and Yahoo. That's for sure. And I think, like I said, Dan made a couple of excellent, excellent points, which I uh, jotted down and uh, I, I, I liked it. And I said, Hey, I never even thought of that. And I guess that's why we have this show. That's right, dude. Go to open somebody else's mind and eyes and ears. And I said, Hey, guys, you know. And uh, I have said it a hundred times. Every time I listen to one of those shows, I learn something. Great. And Dan said that also. You can always learn something. Don't stop doing that. We uh, it's your job to learn every day. If you want to do the business and know what's going on, you got to be up to date. You know, Dieter, we appreciate and, having you on, too. It, uh, it's always refreshing. <laughs> yep. Hey, thanks a lot. And, uh, hey, thanks a lot, Dan. Excellent uh, ideas. And presentations that you had, so that is wonderful. All right. Well, thank you, Dieter. We always appreciate you coming and joining us, and um, I'll talk sure. to you a little later today, I'm sure. And, uh, Cliff, did you have a final question for Dan? 
I, I do. Uh, you know, Dan, you know, both Joe and I and, and many of the listeners of the program have been involved with trade associations, uh, you know, for many years. And, you know, I, I joined because, you know, I wanted a place to learn. I wanted a place to share. I wanted a place to get education. and I wanted a place to network. It just seems today that regardless of what type of nonprofit organization that you're involved in, less and less people are interested in it, and less and less people are willing you know, to give and share and, and, and be involved. And I'm just wondering if you had any uh, you know, solutions by which uh, uh, you know, an organization uh, you know, could increase its membership and uh, increase interest. Yeah. Well, I think some of the same principles that apply to a business apply to a nonprofit. Um, you know, they're trying to get customers, meaning members, uh, and how do you engage them? How do you create trust? So I think some of the things that you have mentioned, which is that you have to have some reason that um, um, increases business or reduces cost. Um, you know, belonging to an association is also a set a, a social organization, but all of that socializing needs to help um, the the participants uh, solve a problem or get a benefit. And sometimes that problem is that they're not certified in something so that they need the credibility and the association can provide that credibility. There might be some marketing materials that an association has that will help people the uh, members market their um, uh, market their their services. Uh, it could be that they provide uh, templates of some form to help um, their members uh, get the website or the SEO that they need, uh, so that they're more um, uh, they're adapting to the problems that businesses um, or potential members have now, which are some of the questions that you've raised today. You know, and if the association is saying, we know the answers and we can help you build your website, get people to your site, get the word out, that is helping them get business and that's relevant. Or if it's reducing costs like insurance programs or so forth, um, uh, that is also helpful. But I think relevancy is the key. Uh, and relevancy means how do I increase business, reduce cost, or get a job? <laughs> there you go. Well, Dan, I've got one real specific question for actually for myself. Um, how? What's the least expensive or less, I don't know, I, I hate to say least expensive, but right now that's where we're at, uh, method for taking payments over the Internet? Well, there's so many payment uh, platforms. You know, I, I'm very fond of PayPal. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, uh, but there's a lot of, uh, depending upon whether you're actually selling things, you know, like uh, a catalog or just, uh, you know, getting payment. But uh, I would, I think PayPal probably is uh, safe. Do you have any ones that you are specifically interested in? I think that's probably the way we'll end up going is, is doing the PayPal. I mean, you don't necessarily have to tie that to a... Um uh, to a database, I guess you can just, you know, if someone wants to send you a certain amount of money, they can send you a certain amount of money, and That's I right. guess you pay PayPal a little bit of a little piece of the pie. Well, and people generally trust it, um, and you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of options uh, for products, services, and um, 
payment programs. Uh, I know. You know, they're more sophisticated if it's a contingency, pro- a continuity program where you're billing uh, every month or something. You may want to look into some more specialized programs. Right, right. Now, they're more one-shot one, one deals, and I know that website, um, you know, the people who build websites and who who host the sites will help you build a, a program for taking payments and tie it to a database and all that. And I just don't, I don't know that we need all of that. And I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, what the other solutions are. And I, I think you're right. PayPal is probably the best way to go in that case. Right. And, and on the database stuff, I mean, there's all kinds of sales management and CRM uh, programs that help you track business and you know, accounting software that helps you uh, integrate with your databases. So, it's a it's a it's a big area, and I think that um, you know, like what Dieter was saying, just uh, uh, learn a lot so that you have uh, a better sense of what you need before making a choice. Okay. Val, uh, yeah, I just had a question on um, something you mes- mentioned about discounting. Um, you had mentioned two for one compared to you know, say half off or something like that. Um, I guess in a way, would you almost have to kind of investigate, you know, whether they want to, you know what I'm saying? If they want one or, you know, it might be better for 50 off. Uh, 50 off is, uh, if you can avoid it, let's just say you're doing carpet cleaning, you know, that two rooms for the price of one is way better than half off. Right, right, okay. Um, so that you have to sort of figure out what the right, right value-added strategy is. I mean, you can't, you know, sell two cars instead of one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, there may be opportunities to um, uh, to augment your service with additional service, even if it's not identical to the one you're offering. Yeah, so if they're they're comparing you to another, let's say we have people who do um, indoor air quality mold inspections, you know, and um, if all you do is mold and uh, you're out there anyway, maybe you could add a, a radon test or a, a lead swab right. or something like that. Okay. That's right. Yeah, radon- you, could also, you could also go back 90 days later, 180 days later, it's a free checkup. And it gives you another opportunity to sell them additional services. That's right. I like the first one. That's a really good one. Well, Dan, before we go, is there anything you'd like to add, anything we missed? And and certainly we put your email or your uh, website up with the show announcement, but we'd like to get that out again, too. Good. Well, uh, no, I think that um, I'm I'm interested in uh, other questions. We have um, a a free uh, consulting uh, opportunity for your listeners uh, so that if they're interested and they drop me a line at ddros at dros.com, uh, I can help address some of their specific questions um, and might be able to provide them some um, help in uh, uh, addressing either some of these questions or others for their own business. And that's ddros, D-D-R-O-Z, at com. You know, it's easy to remember Dr. Oz, right? I mean, uh, 
D-R-O-Z. <laughs> In fact, you don't want to give it away, buddy. <laughs> uh, somebody already got it. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, and and what, was, what was crazy is our two biggest trivia guys were on there, and I was like, a, you know, the chump ball, you know. The but battle. Andy got it again. <laughs> Good job, Andy. Oh, oh Andy did it again. Yes, Andy and John yes, were both on there. They're, yeah, they're so both like... jump balling on that one. Hey, by the way, Dan, thanks again for joining us. Um, and I, sure. I, I did... We really learned a lot, and we really appreciate uh, having you on, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back again sometime in the future. Good. Okay. Talk to you all later. All See right, you. Great. Thanks a lot. Okay. Right, Bye. Hey, we ran Bye. a little late today, but uh, I want to make sure I, I stop and say thanks to, of course, my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Uh, great year, Cliff. Let's let's round yeah, it, was it good out. Year, um, you know, you did a great job, especially these last couple of shows, bringing on some Really interesting folks, and uh, the Pittsburgh Protocol show, that was wonderful, and look forward to seeing you back here in a couple weeks. Uh, I want to thank our engineer, Val Bender, Roxy V. Good sure. job. Thanks, Joe. Great year. We did it. Uh, of course, our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wilddeter. Thanks, as always, for joining us. And most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners. And, of course, our sponsors. Please uh, make sure you let those sponsors know how much you appreciate them making sure that we have a free show here just about every Friday at noon. Please come back and join us. We'll be back um, the second, Jan- second uh, Friday in January for the next episode of IAQ Radio. IAQ Radio Production. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.